You are listening to Spitball with Andrew Ballhawk Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to this divisional playoff weekend episode of Spitball. <laughs> I'm your host, Adri Borhawk Mallows. Joining me this week is my ever-present, ever-awesome, ever-goofy-expressioned co-host, Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. And uh, podcast selfie. Ta-da! All done! <laughs> I'm good. Was that so people could see your goofy expressions? Yeah, yeah I'm going to start cataloguing it, because you know what? People should see my lovely face. No, Medusa, don't look at his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Rude! <laughs> So rude. But anyway, join us when we come back for our recap of this weekend's playoff action. The Super Bowl is defined by spectacular plays, and those that have the longest staying power are often the longest runs. From time to time, for some teams, lightning strikes twice. He's As time passes, those plays and players grow in stature. Throughout Super Bowl history, familiar faces have risen to the moment. Even if it means rising and running in the opposite direction. Now, with another super stage on the verge of being set. Who will join them in a run for immortality? Right, let's start off our, our matchups with the Kansas City at New England game. You know, Chiefs start the day with 11 straight wins. However, beating the Patriots in Foxborough is a tough test. Now, the Patriots saw uh, Junior Edelman return healthy. This would prove a key matchup as Brady's Edelman was good for 10 catches for 100 yards. A keynote thing, though, all under 15 yards they were thrown. You know, short, sharp game. This was important because he got the ball out of Brady's hand, not getting hit like we saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, getting himself hurt. And that was important, though. Kansas City defense, they killed the run game. Um, Steven Jackson would finish the game six rushes for 16 yards. Oh, my God. But it didn't really matter because Kansas City could never work the ball. Every time they had the offense in, in sync, Alex Smith was running it into a position where they could score, but trading scores on the board for field goals by Cairo Santos just wasn't good enough. However, of course, coming into the final three minutes, they had a chance to utilize the actual time and actually put together a game-winning sort of possible drive. However, a complete fluff-up of timekeeping by head coach Andy Reid meant they were out of timeouts and they could just fall short of time in Foxborough. New England would win this one 27 points to 20. We come on now to Green Bay versus Arizona. And this game took a couple of drives to get going. And with the ball deep in Green Bay territory, Arizona elect to go for it on fourth and one, a bowl move that early on in a playoff game instead of kicking a field goal they converted it with a short run and capped that drive with a lovely touchdown reception from Michael Floyd on Green Bay's next drive Rodgers fired the ball deep and Randall Cobb made an outstanding diving one-handed catch it would prove costly though but not for Arizona Randall Cobb would leave the game with a bruised lung and if that wasn't bad enough they had a penalty which called the play back for Green Bay onto the second quarter now with Packers looking like they're going to score Aaron Rodgers is picked off by Patrick Peterson 
and ran it back to the house, picking up a taunting penalty on his way into the end zone. He should know by now, you do not taunt the offence when you're five yards out from the end zone, which is going to bring the play back anyway. Luckily for Peterson, it wasn't his penalty that got the play pulled back. It was Frosty Rucker with a hands-to-the-face mask penalty that would negate that pick from Peterson. Green Bay used that to their advantage and came away with three points. Into the second half now, both teams exchanged interceptions before Eddie Lacy burst clear for a 61-yard run, which led to a Packers TD, their first of the game. And after that, the game was pretty even until just under four minutes left, and the Cardinals went ahead thanks to a tip drill catch from Michael Floyd. The Cardinals then added another field goal, putting them up 20-13. to Was this the end for the Packers? Hell no! Rodgers managed to do it again, this time finding Janus for a last-second Hail Mary bomb. Took the game into overtime. Now, after a shambles of a coin toss, you'll see in the game highlights we're going to put in the show notes both the fumbled coin toss and then the next plays from the Cardinals. Palmer to Fitzgerald for an amazing 60 odd yard play and then with a shovel pass Palmer found Fitzgerald for the game winning touchdown. Arizona win 26 to 20. Now Pittsburgh at Denver. No Antonio Brown or D'Angelo Williams make it heavy going for the Steelers in a windy Colorado. However early on it seemed like the Steelers had greased at the ball for the Broncos because it took until the fourth quarter for their offense to really get going and onto the scoreboard. This was mainly down to offensive miscues, fumbles and eight. Yes, eight drop passes. Damn, what's wrong with those guys? Now, was this just Russ from Manning from recovering from his injury? I don't know, but luckily, Brandon McManus was able to kick through those mile-high wins for five deep field goals to keep the Broncos in the game. Now, credit where credit is due in the Denver defense, that number one ranked Denver defense, did restrict Pittsburgh to field goals of their own, including two shots in the end zone, which were amazingly defended by Akib Tlaib to sort of keep the game into a one-point manageable reach. However, the Broncos' defense would get them ahead, recovering a fumble deep into the fourth quarter, and they were able to fight off an attempt at the last minute by Steelers' comeback by recovering the onside kick. Denver would win this one, a little bit uncomfortable for their liking, 23 points to 16. On to the NFC clash now between the Panthers and Seahawks. And this game started with a bang. And that bang was Jonathan Stewart, who carried the ball four times on their opening drive for over 70 yards and a touchdown. Newton didn't need to throw it once. Seattle had the chance to answer back, but Russell Wilson found Luke Keekley instead of Marshawn Lynch, who ran it back to the house for a pick six. This was the fast start the Panthers were after. And by halftime, couldn't believe what I was seeing, as I'm sure none of you could. Carolina were up 31-0, to just unbelievable Jeff in the second half now and the Seahawks started strongly with a big kick return from Lockett and that led to a touchdown pass from Wilson to Curse swinging the momentum back in their favour the Seahawks used that momentum and over the course of the second half they managed to claw themselves back to just one score behind with under two minutes to play this set the Seahawks up with a position for history to repeat itself if they were able to recover another onside kick like last year against Green Bay but unfortunately Carolina had been there and seen that and they had it covered Thomas Davis Jr. made the recovery and Carolina won this one 31 to 24 all of the four game highlights will be in the show notes so you can see all of the best of this week's action who are you i don't even know your name what's your name turn around let me see your name turn around let me see your name turn around i don't know you bro you're having one of those days hey baby you're having one of those days i say that to say this and you wouldn't have did what you would have did then we wouldn't have been where we was at to get what we got that just don't make no sense, dog. Marcus, put your shoe on. Put it on. Shit. I can't finish with these gloves. <laughs> I'm a teacher. 
I got to my tooth. Wish I had some goals so you can bite me some teeth. We come on now to our weekly musings and look ahead to the NFC and AFC conference games. We're going to start with Chip Kelly being hired as the new head coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Marcus, what do you make of that? Coming into a system that you saw, he he developed in college, very quick paced, um, offense based. I mean, sometimes you'd see the Oregon, you know, attack you put 50 points it doesn't matter if you gave away 40 points on on defense so i think really 49er fans if you've missed colin kaepernick and, and wondered what what's going on with him i think chip kelly's the guy to come and get the best back out of him so you don't think they'll stick with gabbert then you think they'll go back to kaepernick after <laughs> kelly kaepernick has a skill set and you've seen it he can develop okay and he can deliver more importantly now he's lost his mojo and all he just needs is someone to basically get him out of his funk and get his head screwed on straight again. And I think Kelly's the guy to do it. So what you're saying is Kaepernick has a particular set of skills. Skills yeah, that are a nightmare yeah. for people like you and me. Anyway, yes, neither do I, to be honest. I just thought I'd throw in a random taking quote for uh, for and giggles. <laughs> uh, anyway, on to Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New York Giants, who have appointed new head coaches from within the organisation rather than looking elsewhere. And Mike Malarkey has been given the full-time job in Tennessee as their head coach. And I believe there are some others, Marcus. Uh, the other big one, of course, we've got uh, uh, Hugh Jackman, who's been appointed to the... Um... Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator has jumped across the uh, the state of Ohio to Cleveland. When you were talking about Hugh, did you say Hugh Jackman or Hugh Jackson? Jackman. Was Jackson. Jackson. Jackman, <laughs> Jackman will Hugh be Jackman. the actor, my friend. Uh, so just to clarify, ah, it's Hugh Jackson that's Hugh got Jackson. the uh, the head coaching job in That'd Cleveland. That'd be quite a rather than... just like breaking news on our show we've just heard. Wolverine um, yeah. is now the Cleveland head coach. <laughs> you know what? That's the fire they need underneath them to actually get themselves off the get themselves off the bottom of that division. Yeah, love it. We're gonna leave our um, stupidity and the news there and we're gonna look ahead now to the conference championship games now. Now, both conferences, as has happened all the way throughout the playoffs, it seems, they've mirrored each other. So we find ourselves in a situation where in both conferences you have the number one seed and the number two seed facing off for the conference. So should we start with the AFC and another Manning versus Brady rematch? Manning versus Brady. Takes 17 or 18 now, was it? Yeah, it's about that. And Manning's won about, what, a handful of those? If the offense wakes up, they've got a good chance because you know what? Against Kansas City, I did not rate that secondary, that New England secondary. You've got to admit that as much as they do great finding guys who possibly aren't like number one picks and stuff like that to, to fill in roles, they just don't have the depth to really sort of cover a proper all-out aerial attack, which, you know what, if they actually turn up on the day, Denver can produce. They can, but for me, I know we've said it most of the year, but... Manning just doesn't fit into that Kubiak offense and much though Manning is a, a great quarterback and will end up in the Hall of Fame I just think that this week was more evidence that he just doesn't fit I don't know for me it's the, the big one that's going to come down to it it's going to be the defense I think both defenses are, are the, the key to this game because you can both see both offenses scoring um, I'm liking Denver run game development. However, you look at Patriots and that's taking like five steps backwards. Um, now, I know that Edelman's back. So basically, they do a lot of these sort of quick outs uh, passes, which are effectively like 
long runs, really. You just sort of imagine, you know, they're gaining four or five yards of time. They're not big gains, but it gets the ball out of Brady's hands. It means he can't get sacked or, or, or any chance of like fumble or stuff like that. You know what? Number one defense, time to show up, really. It will come down to whichever defense handles the opposing offense the best, 100%. But I just, I, and I know I keep saying I hate saying it because it's true, I hate saying it, but I have to keep saying it. And that is, you just don't write off Belichick and, and Brady in the playoffs. I mean, that's where they make their bread and butter. They wouldn't both be going into the Hall of Fame if they just gave it up when they got this far, no matter how the rest of their season was going. So um, we'll leave that one there because I think we're probably going to agree to disagree on who's going to win that game. Um, and we'll go on to the Arizona Cardinals versus Carolina Panthers. Should be an unbelievable matchup, Marcus. Yeah. For me, the last couple of weeks, it's almost like Cam Newton still developing. He, he knows what to do to, to manage a game and stuff like that. The last couple of weeks, Carson Palmer seems to be just unraveling a little bit at the seams. Another two interceptions this week again. Now, I know that was matched up with his his great ability to buy time uh, and find Fitzgerald for that huge gainer, which pretty much won them the game, the 75-yarder. But for me, again, there's times where he just... He's, he's, he's throwing the ball into the wrong situation, double coverages. And I just, I, I feel that, especially again, their run game got shut down. They became very one dimensional and it went on Palmer's shoulders and he didn't handle it great. Came out with the win, but ultimately I could have seen, easily seen Green Bay come out of that game. And I think almost both teams deserve to win it. Fair enough. And then on the Panthers side of the ball, like you're saying there, Cam Newton really developing all the receivers he's he's got around him, not to mention the fact that they've got Jonathan Stewart back there. So if Jonathan Stewart can carry the workload again, like he did this week against Seattle, then the Cardinals will find it very tough. But much like Belichick, I'm fancying Bruce Arians in this one. If it's a battle of the coaches, I take him over Ron Rivera, even though uh, Ron Rivera is a fantastic coach. Absolutely, but... Uh, the problem with Ron Rivera is he has a habit of falling asleep. He's done it a couple of times. I think there's a good couple of times this, this year they've nearly blown big leads going into, say, the second half. Again, 31 points up, and they just they they sort of snooze their way to the end. Couldn't properly close out the game. For me, Arians, he's a fighter, and he will scrap to the last second until the clock hits zero zero zero. And again, yes, I think this, we are in agreement here, the, the head coach, will be key to determining who comes out with this, who handles the pressure best. Batted and pinned. Off to the races. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown. You are listening to Spitball. We come on now to our impact players and our so would you like to go first or second this week young padawan i will go first this week i don't mind that at all because i don't think you need to guess my guy my guy this week probably come from the fact that um i had to sort of analyze my games a little bit more in depth and it just stood out for me this one it's going to go to a key to leave corner up for denver broncos and I mean, what, what else can I say? The Denver defense is amazing, but four tackles, three pass deflections, two of those pass deflections, most crucially, were in the end zone. Uh, it's just a little stop hook um, by uh, Martavius Bryant, and it's almost impossible to defend, and he defends it perfectly. I mean, the only way you could do that any better was just throw some glitter at the end and just go, wah! Uh, but it was amazing. And for me, taking 14 points off the board and forcing Pittsburgh to score field goals and keep uh, your team in the game, impact right there yeah 100% agree and when it gets to this time of year we're both in agreement I think the defences win championships and it's always those players that seem to step up and make the impact 
And this week, I've stuck with the defensive theme, and I have gone for Luke Keekley, middle linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. 11 combined tackles, uh, pick six, and um, two pass deflections. And similar to Tlaib, one of Keekley's pass deflections came at a key point late on in the second half of that game to stop the Seahawks' drive. So, I mean, this guy is everywhere. You look at that Carolina defense, he is the marshal in the middle of that field. He tells everyone what's going on. He calls the audibles. And he's just a freak of an athlete. I mean, we've seen this guy running down the field with some of the best receivers in the league and making plays on them as well. So what more can I say about Luke Keekley that hasn't already been said? Number one linebacker in the league, you say? Question mark? Well, he has certainly been called that this week. And it's it's very hard to find someone that's in the same calibre as him purely because he covers... He can tackle. He's got the hands for the interceptions. We've seen his closing speed this week on getting the key pass deflections. As an all-round linebacker, he probably is number one. But there will be better pass rushers out there. I've not seen them, but there may be someone that's better in coverage. But yeah, as far as all-round linebackers go, he is definitely the number one. Now we're going to move on to our... And... As we have done throughout the playoffs this year, we're going to be giving each other a game to predict as there's only two this week. Obviously, options are very limited. So, Marcus, for you, sir, I have the Cardinals and the Panthers. Oh, that's a doozy. That is a doozy. But you know what? I said number one seed was getting through and I think they just edged it in this week's sort of um, how they're looking. So, yeah, it's going to be close and gritty. I tell you that. So we're going to go 55 to 45 to the Panthers. We're talking maybe a late field goal to win this game. Sorry, did you say 55 to 45? Yeah. So a 10 point. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 55% to 45. Sorry. Yeah, I thought you were talking about sorry. the score. I was like, bloody hell. My bad. <laughs> I should put percent. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> That's a high score. That would be a great game, 55-45. That's a hell of a game. It is, yeah. Both offences come out firing and the defences are like, what the? <laughs> anyway, fair enough. Well, that, I guess, leaves me with... Manning versus Brady, part whatever. That's <laughs> New England at Denver. And despite the fact that it's in Denver, hey... Guess what? This one isn't rocket science. Brady wins again. <laughs> I've said New England to get back to Super Bowl for a long time now, and I'm sticking to that too. Um, will be a close game, but I think New England are going to edge this one by seven points. So I'm going to go with a 60-40 swing in favour of New England. Maybe it's a, a touchdown in overtime, but either way, it's still going to be a, a touchdown difference between these two teams. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Well, that wraps it up from us for another week, and there's only a few of these left now, Marcus, so uh, starting to get a little bit sad. Aww. I tell you what, they've really got to somehow um, work out a way of either slowing down time 
or making this football season longer because it's just too short. On the other hand, we do have a very awesome uh, podcast to be getting on with in the off-season for the LFL. Nice little plug-in here for LFL Talk. Uh, for those who are unaware of the LFL, it's uh, women's full-contact arena football, seven-on-seven played in the US. If you got the chance, head over to LFL360.com. You can check out our LFL Talk podcast there as well as all the latest articles. All that remains now is for me to thank our producer, Mark Taylor from Spamhead Productions. My awesome co-host, Marcus. Yeah, fans can't see it when you do gestures, buddy. It's an audio podcast. I, 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 I didn't know you. I thought you were just rolling. I didn't know you like cueing me to say, it's been awesome. I loved it. It's amazing. <laughs> I thought you were just like, I just want to thank Marcus because, you know, that's what I do. Yeah, I may, oh, I may, thank you. I may stop thanking you from now on. I may just be like, yeah, there's this other guy I do it with. His name's Marcus. Anyway, we are downloadable on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with us, remember. Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Or you can contact us on Twitter at ballhawksnest, at Audrey Mallows, or at Marcus underscore innuendo. And until next time, football fans, stay safe. Take care and thanks for stopping by.